Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do pray that um, the Lord will be with you and give you wisdom and uh, prepare you for the great things that God is about to do. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being with us, Father. Thank you for your precious promises, Father. Thank you for drawing us, Lord, and giving us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that... that, um, Everything that you're working in these coming days is for our good and to bring us into the glory of God that was ordained for us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Well, saints, we've been talking about the real good news, the real good news of what the Lord has accomplished for us and how we can cooperate with him in in bringing this to pass. And uh, I'd like to back up just a little bit the previous teaching. Uh, we did mention uh, Matthew chapter 10, and I'd like to read just a little bit there. And um, verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth, and charged them, saying, Go not into any way of the Gentiles, and enter not into any city of the Samaritans, and go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Well, the Lord sent his disciples out to cast the demons out of the covenant people of God. And... um We've noticed uh, from 1 Corinthians 10 and 5 that everything that happens to Israel is a type and a shadow for the church. And um, that as the Lord gave authority only for those who were covenant people, because obviously the promises were given for God's people. They're not made for the world. What causes the world to enter in to the covenant is they have to be believers. Jesus said, Be it unto you according to your faith. In Romans 1.16, The good news, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. To who? To the one that believes. There's the condition. It's always there, all the way through the scriptures. You know, the one that believes. Now, we looked at some, some um, examples last time of people that were not covenant people according to the Old Testament, but were covenant people according to the New Testament. They entered in through their faith. We're sons of Abraham through faith, you see. And uh, those who are born from above, born again, are circumcised in heart. And he is not a Jew who's one outwardly in that circumcision of the flesh. He is a Jew who's one inwardly in the circumcision of the heart. And so we see just as Jesus sent forth his disciples to to cast the demons out of his covenant people, 
we know that in these days there's going to be a, a perfect fulfillment of this in the man-child ministry going forth and sending forth disciples to cast out demons out of the lost sheep of, of New Testament spiritual Israel. And some people are saying right now, listening to me, they're saying, no, it's not possible. Christians can't have demons. Well, Jesus must have wasted his time then, you know, in telling his disciples to go forth. That's that's the people that uh, they cast the demons out of. It's the people that Jesus cast the demons out of. And, um, and in my 30-something years of casting demons out, I've been doing it since I was a very young Christian because I read the book. Um, after I was born again, I just read, 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 read the Word, and I decided I was going to pay attention to what I read. I didn't have a lot of religious experience, so I just read it and acted upon it. And um, almost all of the people that the Lord has used me to cast demons out of, almost all of these people were Christians. Almost all of them. Folks, don't say it can't happen. It's just not the experience of people who, for instance, have... Uh, the gift of discerning of spirits. Do you know what discerning of spirits is? It's a supernatural gift that God gives to people to see demons. Not just discern them, but the discernment in many times is, is seeing them. And I've seen them. And I'm telling you that uh, I see them in Christians. And uh, when they come out, you know, it's a sad thing. We've had a, a revival here in this area and uh, of sorts. Uh, it's been called that. But... Um, the devil picked a church that didn't believe that de- Christians could have demons to bring in all sorts of religious deception. And he picked on that church because they didn't believe Christians could have demons. Well, just as his first covenant people could, his second covenant people can and do. And uh, we need to be wary, folks. I'm going to turn to uh, Luke uh, 13 and, and read a verse here that I think is pertinent to this. In fact, I'm going to go to verse 10. It says, And in teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day, and behold, a woman that had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and she was bowed together, and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity, which he called a spirit of of infirmity, a demon spirit that causes a sickness here, okay? And he laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And I'll tell you, nothing else will work but that, you know, but this deliverance, okay? Um, And what did he say? Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He just exercised his authority. There were no magic words of, come out in the name of Jesus. Sometimes, that, that works quite well, but I want you to notice that uh, there's no use getting in a rut. The Lord just exercised his authority over these demons. They knew what he said went. And I want to tell you, it's the same with us, folks, because Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. And he sent out his disciples to exercise that same authority. We have it today. These signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Okay? Mark 16 and 17. So we just need to believe the Word of God and start acting upon it. And he laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue, being moved with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, answered and said unto the multitude, There are six days in which men uh, ought to work. 
In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the day of the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and uh, lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, right, to have been loosed from this bond on the day of the Sabbath. Well, one of the conditions he pointed out there, folks, was this is a daughter of Abraham. Isn't it uh, quite legal for a daughter of Abraham to be loosed from demons on the Sabbath? She is a she has a covenant with God, a guaranteed right to deliverance from God. Nobody in the world has that but a child of God. In this case, a daughter of Abraham. You know, in the New Testament, uh, for instance, in John chapter 8, Jesus was speaking with um, the Jews concerning their status, you know, in the kingdom. And um, let me read just a little bit of that to you. Verse 31, Jesus therefore said to those Jews that had believed him, so you can believe him in, in some ways and not in others, can't you? That had believed him, if you abide in my word, then are you truly my disciples? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will make you free. And as in our day, folks, the truth is what sets us free from bondage. You know, Jesus got that Isaiah 61 anointing, you know, to open the prison to them that were bound, to set the captives free, right? And uh, prophesied it in Luke chapter 4. It applied to Jesus, right? And it applies to us too, folks, to set the captives free. But who did he choose to set free? It was what we just read, uh, daughter of Abraham, right? And uh, covenant people, old covenant, new covenant. Uh, Jesus came in a time when he was leading God's people out of the old covenant and into the new. And he was, both were counting, frankly. He had to come first to the covenant people and offer them this benefit of the kingdom. And, of course, when they rebuked him and, um, and, and uh, uh, renounced his words and turned away from him and persecuted him and his disciples, they were reprobated and God offered this gift to the Gentiles. So, what was their argument with what Jesus said? They answered unto him, We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Well, there's a lot of folks that believe that today, folks. Because they're Christians, they don't need to be set free. They don't need any deliverance, you know. But the truth will set you free, and a lie will keep you in bondage. And Jesus understood this. Jesus said a little further down, they said to him first in 39, they answered and said unto him, Our father is Abraham. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children... You'd do the works of Abraham. Now, in the New Testament, this is what causes you to be a child of someone as you to walk in their steps, right? Who? What is it to be a child of the kingdom? The Bible says, if any man says that they abide in Christ, let them walk as he walked. The only proof you are a child of someone in the New Testament 
which is spiritual seed now, not physical seed, is do you walk as they walked? And, uh, of course, Jesus was pointing out that if they were true children of Abraham, they would do his works. But instead, he said, you're of your father the devil. Why? Because they were walking in his steps, right? Verse 44. And the lusts of your father, it is your will to do. So, in the New Testament, if you're counting any kind of genealogy according to the flesh, it doesn't count. The seed is passed on through the word and through believing the word. We give fertile ground to the seed when we believe and act on the word of God, which is the seed, the sperma of the kingdom and the parable of the sower. And and also in in Galatians chapter 3, let me point this out to you, around verse, um, point out a couple of verses to you. Galatians 3 and verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Know therefore that they that are of faith, the same, are sons of Abraham. You see, we inherit the benefits of the kingdom just like that woman in Luke because of our faith. We are walking in the steps of Abraham. And verse 8, in the scripture Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. In thee shall all the nations be blessed. A unelect group of all nations is abiding in their father Abraham. And uh, Galatians 3 and 29 And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. And then Paul said in chapter 4, in verse 28, And we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Do you believe the promise? Then you're a child of Abraham and a child of God. And you have the benefits of the kingdom. You have the benefits of the covenant. And one of them is what? Matthew chapter 10, do you remember? Was that um, you have the right to be delivered of demons. And you have the right to cast out demons. All believers can do that. You know, there are people out there that specialize in this. But I want to tell you that Mark 16 and 17 just makes one condition. And that is believe. These signs will accompany them that believe. A baby Christian can cast out demons and should be doing it. I mean, we are, we have, it's been spoken unto us, so we should be doing it. And I'd like to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 12 here and point out something to you. I think I mentioned this a little bit last time, but I want to go a little farther with it. Matthew, Matthew 12 and verse 43 says, Jesus spoke and said, The unclean spirit, when he's gone out of the man, passes through waterless places seeking rest, and findeth it not. Then he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more evil than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man has become worse than the first. 
Even so shall it be unto this evil generation. Now, what evil generation was he speaking of? Well, if you go back to verse 39, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And in verse 38, he was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He was speaking to the Jews. The evil and adulterous generation. And Jesus said that this, when the demon is passed out, cast out, it passes through waterless places and returns and brings seven worse than himself. Even so shall it be unto this generation. Well, folks, there's no difference between that end time generation at the end of their covenant and this end time generation at the end of our covenant. As you know, the former rain came at the end of their, their covenant, and the latter rain is coming at the end of our covenant. So, history just repeats. And I want to tell you that there's going to be many demons cast out in the days ahead from covenant people. And because they will not repent, they will return much worse. And so, uh, this is a sad but true thing. Some of you are still saying, well, David, can Christians really have demons? How is it that Christians can have demons? I remember for years people have quoted this verse to me. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not. My spirit will not dwell in an unclean temple. Have you ever heard that verse? Well, it's not to be found in the scriptures, folks. It's just, it's become very popular, but it's kind of like one of those old wives' tales, you know. There's no verse in the Bible that actually says that. Now, I do agree with it in a way, because where the Spirit of God dwells, it, it's, it's a holy place. Okay, But the problem is, how is it that Christians can have demons and yet have the Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you what the Lord told me many, many years ago that fits to a T. And that is that the tabernacle in the wilderness was a, not only a type of the Lord himself, but it was a type of his body. And uh, because in, our, in the midst, in our very heart and spirit, God dwells. And um, it was like the Holy of Holy of the tabernacle in the wilderness. The tabernacle was just a portable temple, like we are. This body is a tabernacle, you see. And uh, people say, well, God... And the devil or God and demons can't dwell in the same temple. Well, that's that's not quite true. Let me let me point out just a few things to you. Number one, the holy of holies represents our spirit, and um, in the holy of holies only the high priest could go. And of course, if he hadn't been sanctified, he would not live through that experience. Matter of fact, they tied a rope on him, and if they did go in there unsanctified, according to the law, they would just drag them out. You see, that that was always a possibility. Uh, drag them out dead. So nothing could enter in. Nothing evil could enter in to the, uh, the tabernacle. But the tent of the meeting, which was over the tabernacle, the tabernacle, of course, being the place of the Ark of the Covenant, the place of the presence of God, where God would speak to his people from between the cherubim over the, over the mercy seat, where God spoke to his people. His presence was there. 
Uh, no one could go into the presence of God except the holy. Uh, and the high priest, of course, represents our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And um, the Shekinah glory uh, was there in the holy of holies. But then the next place was the, the holy place and represents the soul, okay? And uh, over that was the tent called the tent of the meeting further back in the Old Testament. And um, the interesting thing was that, that the, the outside of the tent was, was covered with uh, ram skins, dyed red. You know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 1, Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, and though they be as uh, red as crimson, they will be as wool. And here you got ram skin. What would a ram represent? Uh, but a stubborn beast, you know. By the way, rams were sacrificed, just as we as Christians have a continual burnt offering. We sacrifice our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, Romans 12 says. So we are to sacrifice this old beast. Do you suppose? Do you see there that there is a holy temple of the Lord involved and a temple that's not so holy involved? And on the outside of that that soul place, the, the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place, uh, was the outer court, and it represented this body. And the covering over the tent represented that, this old covering over the place of God's presence, you see, the outer court, the flesh. And the old goat, you know, has to be put to death, right? Well, you know, in the Old Testament, many an unholy person entered into uh, the outer court, and many an unholy person entered into even the uh, the holy place, and, uh, and we have instances of uh, of wicked kings and uh, wicked uh, uh, queens uh, entering in and taking hold of the horns of the altar, asking for the mercy of God, and uh, and they didn't immediately die. And it's, it's true about us too, folks. I mean, in our soul can enter things that are unholy. Did you know that, that when we are born again and we're given a new spirit, that we have that, that tabernacle of the presence of God in our spirit, uh, that it's holy. Nothing can enter there. No demon can enter there. But do you know then also that it's, what God desires to do is to control your soul through your spirit. He desires to take possession of us. You know, your, your soul represents your, your mind, your will, your emotions. And uh, what God desires is through the spirit to control all of the soul, all of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And uh, at the same time, let me say, that the devil or demons can enter in to the outer court. And um, because there's nothing holy about the flesh. The Bible says flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not even entering the kingdom, folks. Uh, but the demons in the flesh also desire the same thing. They, they want to take control of the mind, the will, and the emotions of the Christian. And so there's a battle between flesh and spirit, between uh, the carnal man and the spiritual man. 
And, uh, of course, if we walk after the Spirit, we're going to live. If we walk after the flesh, we're going to die. We are in the midst of a situation where uh, we're ministered to by angels and by demons, by God and the devil, you know, by the flesh and the Spirit. We, every way we turn, there is a decision to make, for our soul to make, you know. And, uh, and since we're in this position, let me tell you that Christians can have demons in their flesh. Because, like I said, there's nothing really holy about the flesh. Uh, again, uh, Romans chapter 8. Let me turn there just for a minute and share something with you. Nothing really holy about the flesh. Matter of fact, God won't even renew, regenerate the flesh. He wants it to die. The mind of the flesh is, is the mind that's been taken over of the soul and the mind that's been taken over by the flesh, by the lusts of man, right? Let's start in Romans 8 and 5. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. And of course, the mind is a part of the soul. You see, the constantly the flesh is seeking to have its way with the mind, right? To cause you to give in to the lusts, right? For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The mind of the flesh is death. The mind of the flesh cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's the enemy of God. The reason that's so is because it is an offspring of the devil. You know the lust of the flesh? Think about the lust of the flesh. Think about the, the works of the flesh mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. There's demons that have the same names as those lusts of the flesh. Why is that? Because the demons are the father of the fathers of the lusts of the flesh, just as God is the father of the fruits of the Spirit. See? Um, and so the flesh is created in the image of the devil, folks. That's why it has to die, that we might be renewed, you know. Verse 7, because the mind of the flesh is enmity against God. It's the enemy of God. So, you, you think that the enemy of God, that the devil could enter into the enemy of God? Well, of course. Of course he can. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. God's anointing by His Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome the desires, the strong desires of the lusts of the flesh. Empowers us. Now, I, I mentioned to you a while ago, uh, Galatians chapter 5. Let's turn there and let me read you something there. Verse 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary, the one to the other, that you may not do the things that you would. So, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The lust means desire. It doesn't, it's not imputing any evil to the, the spirit of God. The word just means desire. Okay, And then, if we look down in verse 19, it says, For the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. This is the, by the way, 
the fruits of the Spirit are called the fruits of the Spirit. This is also the fruit of the flesh. It's called, but they call it the works of the flesh. But it is the fruit of the flesh, right? It's bad fruit, but it's the fruit of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, wraths, factions, divisions, and parties, envyings, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I forewarn you, even as I did forewarn you, that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, that old man that does these things is never going to heaven. That old man, the old life, the one that's created in the image of the devil with his fruit, we're reading here, is not entering the kingdom. He is against God. And But as we go on, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, righteousness, or kindness, uh, godliness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts thereof. They that are of Christ Jesus have crucified. What does that mean? Does that mean they're perfect? No, it, it means that their old man is on the cross and they're not letting him down. They're just not letting him down to rule. You know, when the flesh is on the cross, it, it doesn't have ability to do its will. And basically the Christian who walks in the Spirit... They don't permit their flesh to do its will. And, of course, the more you permit the flesh to do its will, the more the devil will be able to take control. Uh, The more the devil is permitted and invited in to take over your soul. And ultimately, a person becomes, in that case, twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Now, you can't be twice dead unless you're twice born, can you? So a person that says, oh, you can't be born again and have a spirit... Well, how can you be twice dead then? And plucked up by the roots, you see. So the truth is, that old man has got to die. Jesus said, matter of fact, he made that a condition for entering the kingdom. Except you lose your life, you will not gain your life. This old man has to die. We have to cooperate with God in this in this crucifixion of the old life. And why is that? Well, because the devil can use you so long as you give in to your lust. He will use you. He can take over you in some cases. Many people can be totally possessed. Some people say Christians can't be possessed. They can be oppressed. And oppression is from the outside, and possession is from the inside. Nothing. There's no, no truth to that, folks. A person can be oppressed from the inside and not possessed. You know, this is what the Lord showed me, is when a demon is in your body, and he reaches into your soul and takes possession of your mind, your will, and emotions. That's possession. But the demon's on the inside. You see? So, and he can back out, by the way. He can, a person can be, have you ever noticed that some people can be quite normal one moment, and then the next moment they act as though they're possessed? And that's for that reason that demons go in and out of the soul. They go in, they take control, they back out. They sit dormant. They can be quiet. Sometimes they can be very quiet for years, and you will never know that they're there until something happens to cause them to manifest. Many times with with children, when they pass through puberty, for instance, they the demons will start manifesting, 
in them. And uh, people will wonder, well, where did that come from? Well, probably all you got to do is look back in your heritage and you can figure it out, you know. <clears throat> what did you inherit from your parents, right? We're all wrestling with what we inherited from our parents. The life of the flesh is in the blood. It's been passed on. That's what the Bible says, Leviticus uh, 17.11. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So, we know that we've been given a transfusion at the cross. We know that we've been given the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's been passed on to us. Glory be to God. And uh, that we have a new heritage now. A new father. And uh, we give thanks to God for that. But we all wrestle with what was passed on with our, from our parents. And in some cases, not only the nature of the flesh is passed on, but the demons that parents have had are passed on. And we have to wrestle with those and cast them down. Now, we've already looked at the really, really good news that the Lord's already done this for us. He's already accomplished it. He's already overcome the world. He's already overcome the flesh. And we were crucified with Christ. And by one offering, we... We have been perfected forever, Hebrews says. By one offering, the old man was crucified and a new man was given to us. So we have been perfected. And so, uh, our faith imputes righteousness to us from God. And our faith in what the Lord has already done is only th- the only thing we need to conquer the, the demons, the flesh, and the world. Because the Lord's already accomplished this for us. That's why we can boldly exercise faith whenever we need to, uh, to come against um, uh, concerning someone who is a child of God, someone who is in covenant, to come against demons in those regards every time. Jesus never turned them away any more than he turned people away that were uh, sick. The Bible says he healed them all. Now, we just saw in Matthew 12 that, that even though he healed them all, even though he cast out their spirits of infirmity and their demons, these demons came back because they didn't appreciate their gift from God. And uh, they came back worse because the heavy penalty of the curse causes many people to repent. And of course, we all need to repent. We all need to turn away from this old flesh. And if we give in to the flesh, we are opening a door for the demons to take advantage of us. Remember what Jesus said, the evil one cometh, but he hath nothing in me. That's the key. He hath nothing in me. In other words, uh, the Lord hadn't been catering to his flesh and giving in to his flesh and making a door for the devil to enter in or the demons to enter in and take any kind of possession or take any kind of rights. Glory be to God. That's the great thing about this spirit, soul, and body sanctification that the Lord has given us, you know. So, if you're wise concerning these things, you can cut the devil off, right? You can uh, use your shield of faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, in verse 1, Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice who's getting the deliverance here. Uh, Having therefore these promises, who is it that believes the promises? Only the covenant people. Let us cleanse ourselves. He didn't say the wicked world. Cleanse ourselves. 
We have a right to cleanse ourselves. We have a covenant with God, a guarantee with God of all defilement of flesh and spirit. That is defilement of your soul by your flesh and by demon spirits. You can, uh, we have a, a covenant right. We can, we are guaranteed this, okay? And Galatians 3 and 13 is a, is a good example. You know that everybody, uh, doesn't have a right to these benefits because everybody is not delivered from the curse, right? Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ redeemed us. Who's he speaking to? Talking to the Galatian Christians. Okay. Um, by the way, that's that was uh, Gentile Christians, right? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth upon a tree, that upon the Gentiles might come the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus. Where do you get the blessing of Abraham? Abiding in Christ Jesus. That's the only place you can find it, folks. The unconditional eternal security people are wrong. You have to abide in Christ. And what does the Bible say? That is to walk as he walked. And what does it say in, in 1 John chapter 2? If any man abideth in him, if that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, then you abide in the Son. In other words, the doctrine that was given unto us is what we must abide in. What we must have in our heart. This causes us to abide in the Son. Because He is the Word, right? So, we see here that it says, The blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. All the promises of the Spirit, by the way, through faith. There's the condition. And it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian, if you've shaken a preacher's hand or gone to an altar or had an experience with God in the past. The point is, do you believe now? Are you believing now? The benefits of the kingdom are to those that believe. These signs will accompany them that believe. We have a right to minister God's deliverance. But also, Jesus said, on the other hand, as you have believed, so shall it be unto you. So it's very important that we believe to enter into the benefits of uh, the blessings of Abraham. Now, there are some conditions in the scriptures that make it legal, that are scripturally legal, to cast demons out of lost people. But it has to do with the benefits of God's people. You know, like, for instance, Acts chapter 16. We'll look at that just for a moment. Acts chapter 16 and... uh, Verse 16, And it came to pass, as we were going to the place of prayer, that a certain maid having a spirit of divination. Actually, if you look down, you probably may have a Greek note there, and it's it's a spirit, a python. You know, Jesus gave us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. These are kinds of demons. Okay? And um, the... By the way, the serpent has the poison in the head, and the scorpion has the poison in the tail. And um, the, the head it has to do a lot of times with knowledge and discernment and prophecy and these kinds of things. Deception. It's deceiving spirits, okay? And this was a, a deceiving false prophecy demon here, okay? 
having a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now certainly this wasn't a child of the kingdom, right? Uh, the same following after Paul and us cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimeth unto you, literally it says, a way of salvation. A way of salvation. Isn't that what the devil preaches, folks? There's so many ways of salvation, right? But there's no other name given among men wherein, that's what it says, wherein we must be saved. No, there's only one way. And the Lord is very narrow-minded. He calls it the narrow road, right? Well, this lion demon was... Um, was perverting the gospel of Paul into uh, 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 many ways, right? And, and this she did for many days. But Paul, being sore troubled, turned and said unto the Spirit, I charge thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Here's, here's an instance where he said, come out, you know, in the name of Jesus, right? That's not a, not a, a law. But um, he exercised his authority. And, of course, when her masters saw that uh, their hope of gain was gone, they, they started to persecute Paul and Silas. Well, this woman wasn't a Christian, and she hadn't heard the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the one that believes. And, and certainly what we need to do if we want to see someone delivered is preach the gospel to them first and make sure that they are believers in what the Lord accomplished at the cross. He is our sacrifice. He is our blood covenant. And so when we preach the gospel, of course, and people believe it immediately, I mean, there's other things that we should cover. You know, we should cover being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We should cover baptism and, and deliverance. If there's a deliverance necessary, this poor child of God cannot serve him very well uh, under the burden of, of these demons. So you should make sure, first of all, that you're, you're entering through the door here that you are, first of all, offering the good news, the gospel to these people. It's like people that want to go out and heal everybody, but they don't offer them the gospel. Well, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. So we need to be offering the gospel. We need to be preaching the gospel. Uh, there's another instance that the Lord showed me years ago. matter of fact, it was in my home where the Lord will permit us to cast demons out of a lost person. In that case, what we just looked at in Acts 16 and 16, it was because this woman was hindering the gospel. And uh, the Apostle Paul was being tormented by these demon spirits. You see, we're not under the curse. And when people's, other people's curse involves bringing us under the curse, then we get authority. We got authority from God not to live under the curse. And Paul knew that. And Paul, you see, you notice, I'm sure that Paul had in his mind that this is not right to cast the children's bread to the dogs. I'm sure he had that in his mind. And, and he didn't jump quickly to casting this demon out of this woman. But maybe the Lord spoke the same thing to him that he spoke to me. Hey, Paul, you're not under the curse. You don't have to put up with this. And... uh and being rather a little frustrated at this woman ruining his uh, gospel messages, um, he uh, did what he could. He exercised his authority and broke the power of that demon. Well, I, you know, a few years ago, I had an instance where I needed something like that because my mother came to live with me. <laughs> and um, uh, she lived over in Louisiana, and we lived over here in, in Florida. 
And there was a long ways between us, and we were having trouble because she, you know, was uh, on medications for different ailments and some mental ailments. And she was uh, writing hot checks and things like that. She was rather old and 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 um, feeble, I guess you should, you would say, and had some what they call dementia, you know. And uh, so I decided, well, we can't handle her from over there. She's going to have to come over here. So she came over and moved in with us. Well, don't you know, she was tormenting us. She'd do really weird things like, you know, go into the refrigerator late at night and then leave the door just wide open. In the morning, we'd come in and the refrigerator door would be wide open, you know. Or run up the long-distance bill or, or run out into the streets and, Screaming, help, help! <laughs> Had that happen one time too. She went running down the street, help, help, save me! And he saved me. I said, oh Lord, neighbors, you know. Yeah, thank God the neighbors understood when I went out there and hauled her back home, you know. But anyway, we were having these kind of torments, and um, and I didn't know what to do. I did know that the Lord, it's not right to cast children's bread to the dogs, and uh, but. But then she was in our house and bringing us under the curse. I mean, keeping us awake at night and things like this, you know. she, You know, if you'd asked her to do something, she'd had a broken leg or, or something like that, you know. That's kind of things that dementia does. Uh, the funny thing was that, that uh, there was a, a neighbor lady down the road, about a block down the road, who I believe was in the same shape as my mom, and she died. And um, her children were down there, you know, auctioning off all of her things. And uh, I came in. At, now, my mom didn't know this because this was a block down the road. She didn't didn't go down there. But I came home one day, and she was just so sad. I said, what's the matter, Mom? She says, oh, I just washed them as they sold off all of my stuff. You know, I, they were selling off all of my stuff. I just, all, the only thing I could do is sit there and watch them. I couldn't do a thing about it. And I realized that the day before they were auctioning off this lady's stuff down the road who had the same spirit. And uh, and I knew that it was the demon talking in her, you know, and not her because I said, I told her, I said, Mom, there's nothing wrong with your stuff. Everything's intact. And so we had actually a, a friend who was renting her house over in Louisiana while she was over here. So, so this, but then I realized, oh, this is that demon talking, you know. And anyway, so to make a long story short, because we're running out of time here, I beseeched the Lord. I said, Lord, I know my mom is not a believer, and she wouldn't turn loose of that lying dead religion that she was a part of to receive you. I said, but but the benefits of the kingdom are still ours, and I'm your son. And uh, according to Galatians 3 and 13, I'm not under the curse, but yet her being in our house has become a curse to us. It's uh, tormenting our family. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you permission because we're not under the curse to cast these demons out of my mom. Well, don't you know, that night, my oldest daughter had a dream that um, she saw our house. And going out through the roof of our house in the middle of our house was this three-story house. And she knew it was my mom's house. Of course, my mom's house in the literal was only a one-story building. But this was three stories going out through the middle of our roof. And she, as she observed this, she said she saw out of the second story a plank leading out 
to the street, and there were five chickens walking out this plank to the street. <laughs> and the first thing came to my mind was body, soul, and spirit, her house, which is made up of body, soul, and spirit, and the the fowls of, of Revelation 18, the unclean spirits in Revelation 18. Unclean birds, they were called. Fowl. And so I knew that the Lord was saying to me, okay, since her house is in your house, and this is bringing you under the curse, then you have authority to cast these out. Oh, I knew what the Lord was saying to me, and I was just rejoicing that the Lord had given me this answer, you know. And so, um, my, the next night, my mom, we were, I was ready. <laughs> the next night, my mom come knocking on our door. My wife and I had gone to bed. She's knocking on our door. I'm going to keep you awake all night long. It's, those demons are mean, you know. And um, and I said, oh, no, you're not. And so my wife and I got up. We marched in there, and we commenced to commanding these five demons to come out of her in the name of Jesus. And and literally, uh, names were coming to us. One of them was dementia. I forget some of the other ones. I've forgotten them. But, but you know what? The demons don't, you don't have to call them by their surname. You just call them by what they do. It works just as good. And so we... Uh, these five names came to us, and we commanded them to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. And we didn't stick around. like That's been my habit for years. You know, if you tell them to come out, you don't have to stick around and wrestle with them. You don't have to argue with them. You can just go on about your business. And that's the way I've done it. I haven't argued with them. You know, don't argue with demons because they'll know you don't have any authority if you do. And don't wrestle with them because they'll know you don't have any authority if you wrestle with them. So we just walked out of there, closed the door, and went to bed. Had a good night's sleep. Woke up the next morning and went into the kitchen. And my, my uh, mom's room was right next to the kitchen. And uh, so we were walking around in there and we were noticing how quiet it was in there and peaceful it was in the house. And we had the feeling of peace in the house, you know. And uh, so I decided I'm going to peek in the door and see what's going on here. So I just kind of cracked the door a little bit and just kind of looked in, you know, and Looked all around on the floor and everything, and everything was a mess in there, just a wreck. I mean, the bedclothes were all over the floor and everything, and things were off on the floor. And so I took a step into the room and looked around, didn't see my mama nowhere. And then she come crawling out from under the bed. <laughs> and uh, she had rolled around that floor with those demons all night long, but I wasn't rolling around there with them, and I didn't even have to worry about it. I just went to bed. So... Anyway, she come crawling out from under that bed, and I tell you, i never known this lady all of my life. I'm, I was realizing at this time that she'd had demons all of my life as a young uh, person, you know, not knowing God. Uh, the, the troubles that I had with my mom were, were because these demons were in her, you know. And now she was delivered, folks. This was a new lady, you know. This, this lady was um, kind and... Um, thoughtful and uh, would listen to you and uh, was submissive. She'd never been submissive, even to my dad. She'd never been submissive, you know. Uh, so this was a new lady. And um, I was just a rejoicing that the Lord had delivered my house from these demons, not because she was a believer. But, uh, you know, at that time, uh, she started picking up Christian books, you know, testimony books and things and reading them, you know, and and I'd talk to her a little bit about the Lord, and a little bit of it went in there, you know. And um, 
you know, uh, up until the time she died. And, and matter of fact, we had some awesome miracles of, of total deliverance and, and healing for her up and up until the time she died. She went in, decided she wanted to go into an ACLF one time. We sent her into an ACLF, adult living facility, congregate living facility. And she lived there for a while, and they, they started putting her back on on uh, drugs for some things, and it was a, a downhill road from there. Boy, I tell you, she they started, I, I'd never seen anything like this. She had a shoebox. Uh, at the time she left that place, a shoebox full of drugs. And they couldn't keep her balanced. And she was just out of her mind again. And one day they took her to the hospital. And and they, uh, she had some kind of a, an attack. And she went in the hospital and took her off of all of those drugs. All of them. Uh, and uh, she was in the hospital on a, an oxygen monitor for some time. The oxygen monitor was beeping all the time that her brain was not getting enough oxygen. And um, three doctors told me, uh, David, she's just not going to make it. And my wife and I were going to the hospital at that time, and we decided we're just going to pray that the Lord will bring her totally through this so she can have some relationship with her children. And um, and then if the Lord wants to take her, then so be it. So we prayed that prayer going to the hospital and we just thanked the Lord for bringing her through this and saving her from it. And um, sure enough, we talked to the doctors there and the doctor said she's just not going to make it. One of the doctors was my my oldest sister who's a, a doctor and a psychologist, psychiatrist. And she said she's just not going to make it. Not this time. Because they just knew that her brain wasn't getting oxygen. If she came out of it, she wasn't going to be right. And I, and I told him, I confessed in front the Lord in front of him. I said, oh, yes, she's going to make it. She's going to come out of this, and she'll be fine, you know. Well, lo and behold, by the grace of God, I was right, because she did come out of a coma that she'd been in for some time with uh, the heartbeat monitor, I mean, the oxygen monitor kicking off, you know. She came out of the coma. She was perfectly normal. She was on no drugs. She was mobile. She went back to her living facility. She was talking to people. Everything was really, really cool, and everybody looked at her as a miracle. What happened to her? <laughs> well, well, the Lord's salvation was involved here, you see. The Lord's salvation, not man's works. They were given drugs to counteract the drugs to counteract the drugs to counteract the drugs. They'd driven, driven the lady crazy, and she was now free. And everybody saw this as an awesome miracle because she was normal. Well, brethren, we've been talking about the real good news. And um, I'm just going to read to you from Colossians 1 here for a minute. Verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who made us meet, that means able, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Lord made us able to partake of our inheritance, who delivered us, out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We have already been delivered. This is the good news. We know we have a right to cast out demons. We know we have a right to take authority over the power of darkness because the Lord already delivered those who believe. Of course, that's the question in our mind whenever we go to administer God's blessings to people is, 
do they believe the gospel? And so we share the gospel with them, and when we see if they do or don't, we have authority according to that. He goes on to say, In whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. In whom we have our redemption, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have our redemption. And of course, redemption means a release of payment on a ransom paid, right? You know, the Lord paid the ransom so that we could be set free from bondage. Isn't that what a ransom is? He paid the ransom. We don't belong in bondage, saints. And uh, we also have the wonderful gift as believers to be able to administer this gift to other believers. You know, in uh, Mark 16 and 17, the Lord said, These signs shall accompany them that believe in my name they will cast out demons in my name notice the only condition of course is to be a believer not necessarily even a a mature believer just a believer just have to believe that means babies uh, in the Lord are entitled to this benefit just like grown ups are and uh, there are several signs mentioned there in, in Mark uh, 16 that I believe all believers have a right to do. And one of them is cast out demons, even from a baby Christian on up. In my name. What does it mean to be in God's name? Doesn't it mean to be representing Him? In His name means in His nature, character, and authority. That's what the word name means in the New Testament. So, in God's name, representing Him, we will cast out demons. And these signs will accompany them that believe. That's the condition. Not necessarily, again, I want to say, not necessarily somebody who is mature in the Lord. You don't have to bring people who are oppressed or possessed uh, to the preacher. In fact, many times the preacher may not know what to do with them, frankly. But as a baby Christian... You can do the work of the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, something very interesting. Let's read this. Verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of your calling. That is, what is it that God called you for? What has He prepared you for? What has He prepared you to do? What are your orders? You know, like the the Sermon on the Mount, right? What the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Uh, Now, He made us meet to partake of the inheritance that we have, right? He made us able. Verse 19. And what the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. We need a revelation of the power that God is willing to manifest to all people who believe. Mark Mark 16 and 17 is very plain. These signs will accompany them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. According to that working of the strength of his might, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the Lord... You know, when Christ was raised from the dead, 
And the Bible says, as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. When Christ was raised from the dead, who else was raised from the dead? We were, folks. When Adam fell, all mankind fell, because the seed of all mankind was in Adam when he fell. But Jesus was the last Adam. And uh, he is called, by the way, in the original, the everlasting father in Isaiah 9 and 6. Well, excuse me, in the original it says, um, Father of Eternity. Father of Eternity. And, and so, just as Adam fell when Christ was resurrected, all of those in him were also resurrected. And, you know, the, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. He sent his disciples with authority, the same authority over the curse that he had. Right? And made him to sit at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. So Jesus was made to sit above all authority, all the principalities and powers, right? Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. But he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So let's see here. Jesus is above. He put all the principalities and powers under Jesus' feet, but he's the head. Meaning, of course, that God put all the principalities under the very lowest member of the body of Christ. There's a couple of meanings there that I feel is applicable. One is, even if you're the feet of the body, you have dominion over the principalities and powers. Notice, in all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. And he put all these principalities under the feet of the body, and Christ is the head of the body. That lets you know that even the very lowest and the very least of us has authority over the devil's kingdom. It also lets you know that if you remember the, the uh, revelation in Daniel about the image of the beast, the toes were the end-time kingdom, weren't they? And uh, you know what's going to happen in these days is the end-time beast kingdom, which is all of those in whom Antichrist lives, the body of Antichrist, if you will. There's only two men in the earth, Christ and Antichrist. According to Jesus, one shall be taken, one shall be left. So... Uh, just as um, in these days the body of Christ will face off with the body of Antichrist. And guess what? If you see the body in that way as a type of being stretched out over history, uh, like Daniel also did, then you see that uh, we're at the end of history. We are the people who are going to take dominion over the devil's kingdom and crush the devil's kingdom. Bring it to naught. Destroy it. This, according to Daniel, has been given unto the saints, folks. In these days, God's people are going to rise up, or should I say God is going to rise up in his people and crush the kingdom of the beast. The seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. And um, in these days, that's going to be fulfilled. Well, you see here that he has put every principality and power under the end time saints. Not that they haven't always been under all of the saints, because the body is above the, the feet, obviously. 
But in these days, it's going to be manifest. In these days, we're going to see greater works than was seen in Jesus' day in crushing the serpent. Uh, Jesus obviously did it all. It was all accomplished, you know. But um, also, the body of Christ is going to bring it to pass in these days. Now look in in Psalm chapter 8. Remember what I said. You don't have to bring people to someone else. You can just exercise your authority. God will use, he will use you to cast out demons. And in Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth, who hast set thy glory upon the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou established strength. Because of thine adversaries, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. Doesn't sound like you have to be very, very mature, do you? In order to take dominion over the Lord's enemies, does it? As a matter of fact, when you read on, you find a text that was also quoted in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, it says, let me read it to you, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than God. Or some versions say angels. The word here is Elohim. It means mighty ones. It's used in in the Old Testament, translated many times God. And Elohim is the plural of God. And sometimes it's used of the angels. Mighty ones is what it means, okay? So, notice, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou made him a little lower than God, and crownest him with glory and honor, and made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. There it is, folks. All things. You know what? God's people are going to get the revelation in these days that they're the head, not the tail. They're above and not beneath. You remember the curse? It was the opposite of that, wasn't it? Well, God's people have been given dominion. God spoke to those who were in His name. Jesus spoke to those that were in His name. He said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. See, this was first spoken of Adam. In uh, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, that he was given this dominion over the earth. But Adam sinned, and everyone in him fell. He sinned, and they inherited sin, and they fell. His servant you are whom you obey. He obeyed the devil, and the devil took dominion over the earth. But then Jesus came along, who is called the last Adam, to restore that dominion because he was led of the Spirit to be tempted to the devil and the devil lost. He didn't obey. He retained dominion. He passed it on to his children. And his children, of course, were identified as the disciples. In fact, he called them children several times. They were his spiritual children. See, just as Adam fell and... um, In his loins was the seed of all mankind. They fell. So also when Christ was resurrected, we were all resurrected because in him was the seed of all of the body of Christ. 
which is the word of God. And so, this was first spoken of Adam here, about man and the son of man. Adam and his children were given dominion over all the earth. They lost it. But then Paul, in Hebrews chapter 2, applies this verse to the last Adam, who was the father of the born-again creation. Right? And the last Adam didn't lose the dominion. He passed it on to his children, but his children in these days have forgotten that. They don't know that. They don't have that revelation in their heart. So as the body of Christ, we have the same dominion that the first body of Christ had. Another revelation that God is going to bring to his people in these days. We're the feet, folks. We're the end time body. We're the end time body that's going to have dominion over all of the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And notice what I just read to you here that it's the children. Even the children can do this. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And boy, does it ever. How many times do you know in the scriptures that God used weak vessels to conquer great, big, enormous vessels? You know, I mean, um, Israel was seemed to always be in the minority whenever they won a battle. God's power was always made perfect in weakness. He loves to use children to do things. Some people think, well, I'm not mature enough. I'm not wise enough. I don't have enough of the word in me. Uh, therefore, I can't do this. I'll have to bring them to the pastor. Well, I can tell you, in many cases, the pastor may be younger than you. It has nothing to do with age in the Lord. It has to do with maturity. It has to do with someone who is a believer. You have to believe in order to cast out demons. That's the, that's the condition. You have to believe to cast out demons. So, there's two things we need. We need authority. We just discovered we've got authority. These signs will accompany them that believe. God gave us authority. Yeah, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Authority is the right to use power. And we saw in the scriptures, matter of fact, that the Apostle Paul used the power even of the devil. He had the right to use it. He turned a man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so his spirit would be saved in the day of the Lord. He turned Hymenaeus and Alexander over to the devil that they might be taught not to blaspheme. And you know the devil is a, a fierce taskmaster. He will whip you good. He will whip you until you're ready to say, I repent, Lord. <laughs> and he does that quite often. He does the work of the Lord. Every, every kingdom that's divided against itself will not stand. The devil is against himself because of what he does to mature the people of God. And they're going to destroy him. They're going to destroy his dominion. They're going to destroy the beast kingdom. God's kingdom is going to be forever. You know the stone that rolled down out of the mountains, right? That struck the, the image of the beast in the feet and uh, crumbled the whole thing all the way back to the head, folks. I mean, the seed of all those kingdoms is with us today. And uh, God has given us dominion. Well, there's one other thing besides authority that we need. We need anointing. Now, I'm not saying it's absolutely necessary. The seven sons of Siva cast out demons, didn't they? And they didn't have the Holy Spirit, did they? But they had a covenant, right? Now, the Lord, for some reason, by the time the Lord came and preached the truth, their uh, preaching Jesus whom Paul preacheth was not enough. 
It wasn't enough to preach someone they didn't know anymore. And now God held them responsible, and, and so the demons leapt on them and, and mastered them, right? But uh, the disciples, these ignorant fishermen, weren't trained in Bible schools. They went out there and cast out demons, did miracles, and many mighty works. Because they knew they had been given authority. Well, we need anointing. You know, Jesus didn't do one miracle until he got anointing. You know, in Luke chapter 3, let's look at that. Luke 3 and 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form as a dove upon him, and a voice came out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And from there... Uh, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led in the Spirit in the wilderness during 40 days being tempted of the devil. And I want to tell you that Israel, Israel, when they were baptized in the sea and in the cloud, which represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the same thing we're talking about here, they went into the wilderness, didn't they? Listen, folks. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Multitudes, 90 some odd percent, very high percentage of the people that claim a born again experience have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a shame because it was a much higher percentage in the early church. Whenever they found somebody, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know, whenever they found somebody, that was one of the first things they pointed out to them. It was very common in the early church to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the gifts. Okay? And, and here Jesus was being tempted to the devil. Why was it that the Holy Spirit, when he received this great anointing, did he have to be tempted to the devil? Because the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. He didn't tempt him. He led him to be tempted. Because to him that overcometh will I give authority. The Lord had authority to give to Jesus, but first he had to overcome the temptation of the devil. Why is that? Well, you remember what happened to Adam. Right? Adam was tempted. He flunked the test. He lost the dominion. Jesus was tempted. He beat the devil with the word of God. Every time the devil would come at him, he'd, he'd uh, stick him with the sword of the word. And finally, he backed off for a season. Right? Well, he overcame, and God gave him authority. To him that overcometh will I give authority. If you overcome the temptations of the devil, God will give you authority. It's not just faith, folks. It's holiness. You know, again, I'm not saying we have to be perfect in order to exercise authority. Nobody would ever get to perfection if that was true. You know, well, Jesus said in, in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. The anointing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. The yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage to the old man. The yoke of bondage to the beast. The anointing does. The anointing is a, is a power from God to give us dominion. Like um, Acts chapter 1 says. I'll read that to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But I'm going I'm to back up to verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you heard from me. 
For John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Well, here you have probably the most valuable men on earth, these disciples, who had been trained by the Master himself. And the Lord said, No, you don't need to go to Bible school. You just need to wait here and receive the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, many people, you know, come out of Bible school with their certificates and they go right to work in the church. They don't have to overcome to receive authority. Matter of fact, the Pharisees had a kind of authority. It was a fleshly authority, but they didn't have any authority like Jesus had. In fact, they said that he speaketh as one that hath authority. Well, he did have authority because he'd overcome. He received authority. And so these disciples, too, had to be filled with the Spirit and go through their own wilderness and overcome and exercise their authority. You know, some people say there's a really a bad demon doctrine today that says that whenever you're saved, you automatically get the Holy Spirit. But, of course, evidently their Holy Spirit is pretty weak because they don't go and do these works. Now, these signs will accompany them that believe. He said they'll cast out demons. He said they'll speak with tongues. He said they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. What's the matter with the Holy Spirit that people receive nowadays if they automatically get it when they get saved? Well, let me point out to you that in the book of Acts, in the Gospels before the book of Acts, when Jesus, in three and a half years of teaching his, these disciples, he said, You who have followed me in the regeneration. Regeneration is a Greek word that means born again. Speaking to his disciples, he said, You who have been born again. And that was in Matthew 19 and 28. So they were born again. Matter of fact, he said in John 15, You're clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. They were cleaned up. God spoke the word that cleaned up their heart. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and life. They went into those disciples. That word went into those disciples and cleaned them up. Well, Jesus said even though they were born again, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is with you and shall be in you. John 14. And um, and he also said to him in John chapter 7, verse 38, I believe it is, that um, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, that they that believed on him were to receive. You see, if we believe on him as the Scripture has said, we get the same Spirit, the same mantle that Jesus had comes upon his disciples. We get that anointing to minister, that anointing with power. So, these important men, as important as they were to the whole world, as needed as they were among the people of God, still had to wait until they received this anointing. And it says in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit... So these people who were born again didn't have the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is uh, full of uh, examples of people who had been saved and yet had not had the Holy Spirit. Uh, A good example, I think, may be uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, And when they believed Philip preaching the good tidings... So they're believers, right? 
concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. So they were believers, right? They believed and were baptized, right? The Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And Simon also believed, and being baptized, he continued with Philip, and beholding signs and great miracles wrought, he was amazed. But when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet it was fallen upon none of them, only they had been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So you see, folks, some of you have been lied to. In fact, lots of you have been lied to about just automatic receiving of the Holy Spirit. First of all, if you get what they got, you will do what they did. That anointing is to heal the sick, cast out devils, so on and so forth. These signs shall accompany them that believe. So multitudes are missing out on their inheritance. We we have been given the ability, Colossians 1, 12 and 13, we've been given the ability to partake of the inheritance of the saints. What is that? The sanctified ones, right? We have been given the ability to partake of that, that inheritance which is of the sanctified ones. Now, what did Jesus pass on to us? He passed on to us the same authority that Adam was supposed to pass on to his children. But because he was tempted of the devil and failed, he didn't. Now, Jesus passed it on to us. But yet, multitudes of Christians haven't really realized what has happened. If you receive the Holy Spirit and you believe the Word of God, you will have a miraculous life, folks. You will have wonderful signs and wonders and miracles happening in your life. When I was a baby Christian and didn't hardly know my left hand from my right hand, I started casting out demons. And it became apparent, of course, at first I was just stepping out because I saw it in the Word, and I probably you know, I didn't know that much about it, but um, I just stepped out in obedience. And um, the Lord honored my faith with signs and wonders. In fact, one of the first people that uh, I cast demons out of was my dad. <laughs> and uh, my dad was... Um, he used to be a chemist and a metallurgical engineer for, for Exxon. And um, Exxon doesn't know this, so I'm not supposed to tell you, but my dad's passed on, so I guess I can get away with it. But um, he built a stainless steel still from, from Exxon's materials. They didn't know that. Of course, my dad didn't know the Lord either. So this awesome... Stainless steel, still, of course, he had copper tubing and all those good things. But the stainless steel, still that he made, he made some some um, some white lightning, and um, he had a really sad thing happen to him because he and another old guy named Uncle Purse had um, built a had a little building up in Mississippi where they they made their white lightning, and uh, now my dad was a real Real intellectual person. He was a lot smarter than I was, honestly. But um, he just, he, he, he was, a, like I said, a chemist, chemical engineer. And so he, he just thought, well, I'm going to try this thing. So they did. Well, it ended up in a real sad story because the building that they put the still in, Uncle Purse went in there one day and blew the thing all to pieces. I mean, shattered the whole building and killed the old man. And my dad was just heartbroken. 
you know, because of his experiment. He, he, the problem was he had been sipping too much of his own white lightning, and he had become an alcoholic. And uh, my dad had gone around to, you know, the, the detox centers, and he'd gone to the AA, and he'd gone to, you know, anybody he could run to, to to try to get deliverance from this. And he had all the books from AA and all that, you know. But it wasn't any of it doing him any good. And um, one day, after my wife and I had become a Christian, you know, and we had been witnessing to him and talking to him about the Lord, and he was sitting in our living room just crying, you know, one of those drunk cries, you know, crying, you know, and he was just bemoaning himself, all the problems he's brought upon himself, and and my wife and I were just sitting there praying, on, you know, to ourselves about the situation, and, and it suddenly it came to me, you know, uh, I said, Daddy, I said, the Lord delivered you from this. You don't have to walk under this dominion of this alcoholic demon any longer. You can be free because the Lord set you free. You know, it was a childlike faith. I believed what the Word said. I hadn't been seeing much of it. Frankly, I was in a full gospel type church, but they weren't doing much of it there. But I was stretching out my faith for everything. And I was trying everything I could see in the book. You know, But it this just came into my heart. I'd been reading the Bible and was full of it. And so I, I just told him, I said, Daddy, we're going to lay our hands on your head, and we're going to command this alcoholism to leave you, and it's got to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my wife and I laid hands on my dad, and we rebuked that spirit of alcoholism, and the Lord took it from him. I mean, just like that, he was delivered. All the struggling, all the strain, all the works of man had failed him. All of his brilliance because he was a very brilliant man all his brilliance had failed him but the Lord in a moment set him free through a couple of baby Christians <laughs> glory to God folks listen that he might still the enemy and the avenger out of the mouths of babes and sucklings he has perfected strength you know I mean all you, all you have to have is faith folks step forward Obey God in receiving the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will make up for what you don't and can't do. And um, so my dad would go around and tell everybody. Now, my daddy really still didn't consider himself a Christian, but he went around and told everybody that God set him free. It was a witness. It was a testimony out of his mouth to tell people that God set him free when nothing else would work. God set him free. Glory be to God. And, uh, you know, God did that work on him through, like I said, a couple of fairly baby Christians, you know, and uh, who just simply believed on their father. We have to have that childlike mind. You know, I guess I've got a head start on some of you. <laughs> but but uh, I'm kind of childlike. But I did, um, I trusted my father. I I, I loved the Word. I devoured the Word. I trusted my Father, and, and God acted upon that. He confirmed it with a sign and a wonder. And I'll tell you, one of the first, one of the first uh, deliverances, well, it was an attempted deliverance in that same church that I was talking about. Uh, nothing really happened because uh, the people really didn't know what they were doing. Some of them had been in the Lord for many years, but they hadn't been casting out demons. They were so-called Pentecostal people. 
but they hadn't been casting out demons. So, so there was a man in this that came into this church that was just a total mess. I mean, a total wreck of a man, um, full of drugs, probably alcohol, and um, these guys that were. Some of them had been in school with me, had been raised in school with me, and I bumped into them in this church, and they'd been there before I was, you know. So some of these guys were gathered around this man. They were going to cast the demons out of him. And um, they didn't know the, the really simple method God has of just, I mean, I learned. I learned it by faith that you just command those demons, and you know they got to obey you, and you don't argue with them, and you don't stand around waiting to see if they leave. You just command them to come out and go your way. And uh, not worrying about it, not wrestling with it all night long. The devil will sit there and he'll wrestle with you because he knows that you know, he knows that you don't believe you have authority and that, that he doesn't have to obey. And you're not going to be heard for your much speaking. You're not going to be heard from by God for your much speaking. And you're not going to be heard by the devil for your much speaking. Somebody that stands around and talk, 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 they, you know they don't have any authority and they don't believe they do either. So, these guys were standing around and they were talking. And they were commanding this and commanding that. And nothing was really happening. They couldn't see anything happening. So, since they couldn't see anything happening, they didn't uh, believe anything was happening. But that's not the way faith works. So, they were standing around. And finally, they decided, we're going to test this guy. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I thought, after I thought about it, I thought, now that's crazy. Anybody. Anybody. You don't have to have the Holy Spirit. Tell this guy's demon possessed. <laughs> you know, anybody would have known this guy was demon possessed. I mean, first of all, he, he thought he was a woman. I mean, that's pretty demon possessed right there, right? And second of all, he was reading minds. And some of you don't think the devil can read minds, well you better think again. I saw him doing it. Yeah. Now it was kind of an interesting story because in this church most of the people were filled with the spirit, but they didn't have they had a problem with faith. Okay, how faith actually worked. And their doctrine about receiving the Holy Spirit is what gave what tripped them up on that, because they believed unless you spoke in tongues, you didn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe that tongues is one of the most common signs of the Holy Spirit, but I can't say what the Bible doesn't say. And uh, tongues is a manifestation of the Spirit. You receive the Spirit by faith, and the manifestation comes, you see. Well, they didn't ever believe anything unless they saw it which is a stumbling block. And that's the reason they had problems casting out demons, because they wasn't going to believe it until they saw the demon come out. That's not how faith works, folks. Well, anyway, they were standing around this guy, and somebody came up with the bright idea, we'll test him, we'll see if this is the devil. Well, I don't know. I mean, I knew it was the devil. So, anyway, they picked this verse out of First John, chapter 4. Hereby... Know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it cometh, and now it is in the world already. Well, he was talking about testing the spirits of people. He wasn't talking about testing demon spirits. He's talking about the spirit of a person who is not born of God, because he talks about he that's in you and he that's in the world. There's only two there in the next verse. You're of God, my little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's only two. That's Christ. That's Antichrist, you see. So he's talking about 
testing the spirits of people. Okay, not talking about demons, okay? But it also says Jesus Christ, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And, of course, if a man's spirit, this is what this really means, if a man's spirit confesses that Jesus Christ is presently in that flesh, then that's the Spirit of God. You understand? That's what it's talking about. It doesn't say has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. It doesn't say that. It wasn't talking about Jesus once coming in the flesh. It's talking about the Spirit that brings Jesus in your flesh. That's what it's talking about. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Okay, So you're born again spirit. And uh, the Spirit of God combined together in the believer, according to Romans 8, if, the spirit, if, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if the Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will give life to your mortal body. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Okay, Born again Spirit likened to Jesus' Spirit, that's your born again Spirit. But the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they tested the guy, and guess what he said? Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and he was still demon possessed. <laughs> so, yes, he did. He and they were confused over this, you know. And the guy would look around the room, and and they would say, "Well, which? Who? Can you read that guy's mind? Yep. Can you read that guy's mind? Nope. There were people in there you couldn't read their mind. Did you know that? And I'm not saying." The reading minds has anything to do with the devil having authority over you. You give the devil authority over you. It has nothing to do with what the devil knows about you, whether he can read your mind or not, folks. But I'm going to tell you what, the spirit-filled people in there, that guy couldn't read their mind. The, the people in there that he pointed out in the crowd, I can read that guy, it was people that everybody knew wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. And this guy didn't know anybody in the building. Knew nobody. He was reading it. They were, he was reading their minds. Now, here's what the Lord taught me. It has nothing to do with whether the devil can read your mind or not. You can talk in English. You can say anything you want to, folks. I'm telling you what I know. It makes no difference what the devil knows. It makes a difference what you give him authority to do. And uh, if if you disagree with God's word, you bring yourself under the curse. And um, anybody that adds to the word, God said he would add to that person the curses that are written in this book. And guess who administers that? The devil does. So, uh, anyone takes away from the words of this book, the Lord said he would take away their part in the tree, in the tree of the tree of life. So, we know that we give the devil authority by disagreeing with God's word. You know, uh, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We bind and we loose according to whether we agree with God's word by faith or not. If you don't agree with God's word, you permit the devil to take authority over you. If you do agree with God's word, you agree with the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. When you believe and you speak God's word, you bind the devil. He can do nothing. Makes no difference whether I say whether you say I bind you, devil, or not. You just bind him. Get used to agreeing with God's word. How can two walk together except they be agreed? I mean, we want the Lord to walk in us and talk in us and do His works in us, and we have to agree with God. Now that's 
what looses or binds the devil. It has nothing to do if the devil knows all of your strategy, folks. It makes no difference. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, it makes no difference whatsoever. So some people say that's why we speak in tongues. It's so the devil won't know what we're doing. The devil speaks in tongues. And he knows the tongues of men and he knows the tongues of angels. So that's ridiculous. He knows all of that. He's been around for thousands of years and his demons all know tongues. They all speak in tongues too, folks. The tongues of men or the tongues of angels, the Bible says. That's ridiculous. No. They, they can do nothing unless you give them authority. Remember Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. We have dominion over all of the principalities and powers. So if we've got that dominion over all of them, how do they get it? How did Adam give it away? He disagreed with God. He fell out with God. And he lost his dominion. His servant you are whom you obey. He gave away that dominion. We don't give that dominion away by overcoming like Jesus did when he was tempted of the devil. God empowered Jesus. He said, you receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What kind of power is that? Well, I can tell you one thing. It's power over your flesh. It's power over the devil. It's power over the world. Receive the, obey the word of God. Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice it don't come at the same time. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's God's command. Acts 2 and 38. And so... We need God's anointing. We need his authority. We need his wisdom because obviously these guys thought they needed to attempt to try the devil. In fact, I'll show you another verse. It's Second uh, John 7, which says, Many deceivers are gone forth into the world, even they that confess not that Jesus Christ cometh in flesh. See, not only is he come in us who have the Holy Spirit of God, but also he is coming in flesh. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. He is coming in us as we walk by faith in the true gospel. The good news. Do you see Jesus in the mirror? He has authority to cast out demons. Do you see yourself as dead for Christ's sake? Do you see yourself as no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me? You know what? You are able, the first verse we read, Colossians 1, 11, 12, and 13, you are able to partake of the inheritance of the saints in Christ. In other words, the saints in Christ, the sanctified ones in Christ, you're able to partake of that inheritance. You see, you don't have to be perfect. You're able to partake of the inheritance of the saints in Christ. You don't have to be perfect to cast out demons or to administer any of the other benefits of the kingdom, healing or deliverance or of any form, any form. But the Lord has given us dominion. And, you know, I, I learned from that time right there that um, some things about demons of deception. And uh, we, I went on to, you know, until this day, cast out many, many demons. And um, some people uh, specialize in doing that, you know. And they call it a deliverance ministry. And I never called myself a deliverance ministry. I believe that's. I believe that this gift is for all that believe. And uh, some people can, of course, teach you things about it because they've had experiences. But it is for all that believe. So I, um, I remember here 
not too long ago, not many years ago, we had this sister that um, Baba Cardi, who was right here with us. Baba Cardi was talking to a neighbor, and um, she had confessed to him that that she had they had found um, uh, cancer in her lung. And uh, he witnessed to her about the, what the Bible has to say about that, the real good news that she'd already been delivered of this. Uh, the cancer, I believed, was a spirit of infirmity. Well, when Bob brought the, he told her, he said, we were going to agree with her that night over at our meeting, you know. And uh, she said, fine. And she, she gave the good confession in the sight of witnesses. She said, I believe the Lord has healed me. And Bob shared the good news with her. She believed it. She confessed it. And that's when you know, folks, you got authority, when people do that. I mean, people can, can have many, many problems, but when they believe the gospel, you got authority. Go ahead and exercise it, you know. So Bob said, well, we're going to agree with you tonight. That's what he did. That was the method he used at the particular time. And when he brought the, the testimony to us, well, we said, okay. We prayed. It was about, ooh, 7.30 in the evening. And um, I don't know what everybody else said, but I commanded the demon of cancer to come out of her in the name of Jesus. And um, she gave the testimony to Bob the next day. She said about 11.30, she was in bed, and uh, she woke up suddenly, and smoke was coming out of her nose. And it was the demon of cancer coming out of her. And uh, sure enough, she went and got looked, tested and everything, and the doctor was just awed because the cancer was gone. You know, well, you know what? That's nothing that baby Christians can't do. This is not, this is uh, not for necessarily mature believers, you know. You know, I'm thinking of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, how that they went to Bible college for many years. You know, they had all the letters behind their name, but they weren't casting out demons. These fishermen were doing it. The people who walked with Jesus were doing it. And, and by the way, you can walk with Jesus today, folks. You don't have to see him to walk with him. You just uh, ask him to take you by the hand and make you his disciple and begin to do the things that he commanded you to do in the book. These signs will accompany them. To the, the, the Great Commission has never been taken back, folks. He gave it to us. You know, We've been called to do this work, to, uh, to spread the good news. And uh, for those that believe, to administer the gift. And uh, casting out demons, not only is it the children's bread, we can cast it out of the children of God, but also it's the children's to administer. And as we saw in in, uh, Psalm 8 and 2, we have dominion over the forces of darkness. Jesus gave it to us. He returned to us the dominion of Adam and his children. And if you get a chance, you can read uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and uh, see that. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to read it real quick before we run out of time here. Give me just a minute. Hebrews chapter 2 and um, verse 5. For not unto angels did he subject the world to come, whereof we speak. Hey, folks, he's talking about you and I here. But one hath somewhere testified, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels here. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. 
Thou didst put all things in subjection under his feet. What do you think would happen if the church got this revelation here, folks? Thou didst put all things in subjection under his feet. Notice, for in that he subjected all things unto him, he left nothing that is not subject unto him. But now we see not yet all things subject unto him. Why is that? Well, not only was the hardness of heart among the disciples in that day, there was a great follow falling away that followed that day, and even today most of the people of God are in a fallen away state. They don't do the works of Jesus. They don't believe in receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the gifts. They don't know why. Their, their leaders have told them it passed away, but the leaders can't show any verses that actually say that, because there is no such thing. And uh, so the devil has... Uh, Tempted the church, they've fallen for it, they've become his servants, and they've lost their dominion. That's what's happened. The exact same thing that happened to Adam. Okay, So we don't yet see yet all things subject unto him, but we behold him who hath been made a little lower than the angels, even Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he should taste of death for every man. So Jesus who was the father of the born-again creation, and his children. You know what? Jesus' children, folks, are not those that confess Jesus is my Savior necessarily. It's the people that believe. You know, they are, they are, a, they are birthed of the Word of God. The seed that Jesus sowed as the sower was not a physical seed like natural Adam sowed. It was the Word of God. Do you receive the Word of God in your heart? That's what creates the child of God. The Word of God living in you, that's what creates the child of God. That person has dominion over all of the creation, according to this right here. Now, even at that time, they didn't yet see this happening. You know why? Because of what we read in Colossians 1, 22, and 23. In these days, folks, it's going to happen. Because the principalities and powers are going to be are under the feet. These are the end time days of the body of Christ. Under the feet. In these days it's going to happen. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, He will come to be glorified in His saints and marveled at in all them that believed. Because our testimony unto you is believed in that day. Because our testimony unto you is believed in that day. See, he said, we don't yet see all things subject. What, what's, what, what's, what's the hold up here, folks? It, it's belief. God is going to give grace in these days to people to believe. The feet are going to crush the serpent's head. The feet are going to destroy the beast kingdom. There's a one world order being raised up, folks. But guess what? There's always really been one. It's he that's in you and he that's in the world. There's been one for the world and one for the kingdom. We are a one world order. We've got to learn to be connected to the head. You know, We've got to let the head be the rule. We have to let the word rule in us, the seed that brings forth the sons that do the works, right? Adam's children were to have dominion over the earth. He was tempted. He lost that dominion. The Lord Jesus... 
who brought forth a born again creation, the real creation that God desired from the foundation of the world. He chose us in Him from the foundation of the world. The real creation, folks, is the born again creation. So step up and take your position as sons of God and uh, exercise dominion and cast out demons. God bless you, saints. Thank you for joining us today. Please pray for us uh, that we're able to continue to share the good news with, with multitudes of people. That God will open the door. God bless you. And um, the Lord pour out His Spirit upon you and empower you to walk in all the inheritance that Jesus passed on to you. Receive it, folks. Just receive it. It's the Word of God. You know it is. You know, As the Father sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. God bless you. Good night. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to www.americaslastdays.com Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in